But God's word is precious and a tremendous gift to his people. Please join me in reading these scriptures from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. I am making between me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds. I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. And in Psalm chapter 25, verses 1 through 10, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the commandments of his covenant. And in the New Testament... 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee 
and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Brad, you got a good voice. That's all I'm going to say right there. Should have been on the radio or something with that. Even with a broken foot, right? I mean, it just, that's, uh, I, I, I know Ginny's not here, but uh, last week was Brad and Ginny's 40th anniversary. And uh, so we celebrate with you. And uh, I'll say it again when she's here too, but, but give her our love. And, and I know she's working this morning, but you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter one for, our, it was our gospel reading today. And just keep that open because that's where we're going to spend most of our uh, time together today, and if you could take out your bulletins as well, on the back of your bulletin, it's blank, uh, for sermon notes, and there's a pen in front of you, so you can just take a pen out, write down anything the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I'm going to give you a couple things to write down today as well, and, and uh, I know God's going to speak to you. Inside of your bulletin is, are the questions from the reading this week, um, and so you can do that as a personal Bible study, or you can do that with your family, because our kids are learning the same thing. Uh, or you can do it in a small group. I know our women get together on 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So uh, again, those are there for you to keep growing in God's Word. Remembering is an important part of the human experience. The problem is uh, sometimes we remember the wrong things and forget the things we should be remembering. But remembering is an important part of the human experience. And spiritually speaking, too often we begin to remember the things that we should forget. We remember our sins, our past mistakes. And then we forget the things we should remember of God's love and his mercy and of his grace. Because remembering is an important part of life, right? The older you get, though, the more you start to forget. How many of you have lost your glasses when they were on your head? Okay. Oh, wow. There are people actually raising their hand. I thought it was just me. All right. Okay. This, is, this one's even, even worse. So how many of you have lost your keys while you were holding them? Anybody? Oh, that's, no, I know. It's like, seriously, right? You know, it's like <clears throat> one of the most difficult moments of life, though, is when a family member, parent, grandparent, or a spouse starts losing their memory and they start forgetting things. And it's heartbreaking when there's someone that you have loved and has loved you your whole life and they don't remember who you are anymore. And it breaks our heart because remembering is an important part of the human experience. 
In our passage from the Psalms that we saw in the video and Brad read for us this morning, David is asking God to remember some things and forget others. He says, God, would you remember me? God, please remember me. But forget all the things I've done. Forget my sin. Remember me, but forget my sins. It says in Psalm 27, 6 and 7, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember my sin, the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Throughout that passage, he's asking for God's protection and guidance and forgiveness. Remember me, Lord. Don't remember my sin, but remember me. Don't remember what I've done, but remember me. And so the question today, this is our question today. Does God really need a reminder? Seriously, does God really need to be reminded? We'll answer it in a bit. We're going to go to Mark chapter 1. This is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday and it goes through Easter. It's 40 days. And, and the lectionary readings that we just read, those readings on the first Sunday of Lent are always of the temptation. Now we read from Mark's Gospel because if you notice from the first of the year, we're always reading out of Mark's Gospel this year. We'll do Matthew and Luke in the, in the years to come. But this year we're reading Mark, and, and Mark's reading begins uh, uh, telling the story of the temptation in verse 12. And so it'll be on the screen. Mark 1:12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. That's the whole story. And you say, well... I know the story of the temptation. Isn't there more? Aren't there a bunch of temptations? And doesn't Jesus talk to the devil? Yes, in, in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark. Mark just gives us this story. He just gives us one verse about the temptation. Matthew gives us 11. Luke gives us 13. And so Mark gives us this very short and simple, but very important message about the temptation that I want to speak into your life today. What does he say? Mark says that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness. The word sent there... If you have your Bibles open, it may not be the word sent, it may be the word drove, that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. The only other time this word is used in the gospel is when Jesus drives out the money changers. When Jesus is so angry and he's so upset at what's taking place in the temple that he drives out the money changers on that day. And this story tells us that the Holy Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. And so what that tells me is that the wilderness is a necessary part of Jesus' life. That he had to go to the wilderness. It was necessary for Jesus to go to the wilderness. And then unfortunately, it's a necessary part of our life as well. The wilderness is a scary place. Jesus was there for 40 days. When you think of the wilderness, maybe you think of things like those long, gray winter days, and you're just like, I hope spring is coming because I don't know if I can just take it. It just keeps, seems like it just keeps going. It's barren. It's wild. It's, it's rough. It's harsh. We feel all alone in the wilderness. It's dark and dry and scary. They say when you're in a wilderness, you lose your sense of direction and we could say spiritually we lose our sense of purpose when we're in the wilderness. 
There seems to be no way out. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Are you in a wilderness right now? I have to be honest with you, I'm not good in the wilderness. I wouldn't be good in a real wilderness to begin with. But I'm not good in other wildernesses in life. And there's a lot of them, right? I'm not good because I, I get anxious and I get scared and I get angry and I start acting immature. I'm not good in the wilderness. So why is this a necessary part of life? I mean, why should I have to go to, through the wilderness? I mean, we have to face these trials and temptations and all these things. And it's like, wouldn't it just be easier? Like if we were God, wouldn't it just be easier just to remove the wilderness experience from our lives, right? Please, God, that would be the easiest way. Just, just remove the wilderness experience, remove the trials, remove the temptations. That would be the best way. But it's not the best way. Because the wilderness is there for Jesus and for us as a season of preparation. The wilderness is a season of preparation. Israel didn't spend 40 days in the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. And they had to go through the wilderness to learn about God. It was in the wilderness that their confidence in God was built. It was the place, yes, they complained over and over again. They failed seemingly every day, but the beautiful thing is God never gave up on them. He was preparing them to become the children of God. It was in the wilderness that they understood who God was, and He became their children. He became their God. They became His children. And so the question I want you to write down today is this. What is the wilderness teaching you? What is the wilderness teaching you? Why are you going through what you're going through? Don't waste this time in the wilderness complaining or failing. Just what is it trying to teach you? Because whether you like it or not, this is what we've chosen. The Bible says we have chosen the narrow way. Jesus taught that in the Sermon on the Mount, that wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. It's a narrow road. And when you study that word narrow in the original language in the Greek, it's, it's something, it's like, why would we ever choose this difficult road? I mean, this is not a natural choice. Yes, I'm going to choose the narrow road. No, we, you normally would choose the wide path, the easy path. But no, we've chosen the narrow road, the, the road of persecution, the road of affliction and distress and pressure and this narrow road that's difficult. Why would anybody choose the narrow road? Because it's the road that leads to life. It's the only way to life. Wide is the path to destruction. Narrow is the road to life. In the wilderness, when Jesus was there, He was being prepared for His life of ministry and ultimately the cross. And God will lead you through the wilderness of this life into the land of salvation. All we're called to do is to trust and follow Him wherever He leads us. So the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. And so what happens in the wilderness? Well, first of all, he's tempted. And here's another thing I'd like you to write down. Belief and temptation are the twin experiences of the life of faith. Belief and temptation are the twin experiences of the life of faith. I really wish that wasn't the case. But the enemy is going to come after you when you choose the life of faith, when you choose to believe 
When you choose the narrow road, that's when the enemy is going to come against you, and there will be trials, and there will be temptations. And so today, if we know this is going to happen, let me tell you, do not fail to have faith in God. No matter what you're going through, don't trust in a different way. Don't wander off looking for an easier route. Don't look for a better deal. Don't trust in the things of this world. Don't give in. Don't go back. Don't go back to slavery like the children of Israel wanted to do. Choose the narrow way. Because let me tell you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, God's way is the best way. And He will faithfully guide you as you go. And He has a great destination for you. Now listen to this about Jesus. Jesus had such faith in His Father that He was willing to go wherever the Father led. Jesus was willing to go, Father, wherever you lead me, I will go. Where does the Father lead Him? Right into the wilderness. The Father leads him to the cross. He ends up in a tomb. Jesus was willing to go wherever the Father led him. And because Jesus was obedient, heaven is ours. Because he was obedient in the wilderness and on the cross and in the tomb, heaven is ours. So Jesus was, was led into the wilderness. He was tempted, yes, but we also see that there were wild animals all around him. This tells us that there's fear in the wilderness. When you're in the wilderness, you're not in control. There are things that you cannot control. There are things out that could eat you alive. The wilderness could destroy you. And when we know this, then perhaps in this wild place, this barren place, this lonely place, this is the place that we're assured of the presence of God. Perhaps this is the place where we really learn how to pray. When we're going through the wilderness, we really learn what it means to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. It's in the wilderness that we really learn to trust the Lord. That's what we're being prepared for. And, and I've had people tell me I, countless times, that it was the wilderness experience where they felt the closest to God. That they got on their knees, that it, it drove them to the heart of the Father. And that's what it's called to do for you. Because we also see, not only is there temptation and wild animals in the wilderness, there's also angels in the wilderness. God will take care of you in the wilderness. I just want to tell you that. It's been a little depressing at this point, but let me tell you, God's going to take care of you in the wilderness. He's always taking care of his people. Whether it be the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, they didn't lack anything in the wilderness. God took care of them. In the New Testament, we see Jesus being ministered to by angels. But it, and you say, well, of course, he's the son of God. But we see that in the Old Testament with Elijah. He is so depressed, he just wants to die. Jezebel's after him to kill him, and he's just like, I just, I'm done. And the angels come, and they minister to Elijah. Throughout human history, and probably in your testimony somewhere, God has come to rescue you. God has come in your deepest, darkest moment, and He's rescued you. I believe God is sending His angels to watch over you, to protect you, to provide. I mean, I just want to tell you that, that God is not far away in the wilderness. He's actually closer than He's ever been. And Jesus knew the way out of the, the wilderness. Jesus knows the way out of the, the wilderness, and 
And this is not just for Jesus, it's for all, all of us. If you're in a wilderness, you know the quickest way out of the wilderness? Obedience. Obedience. Just follow the Father. He'll take you. He'll take you where he wants you to go. So the question is, did, did the Father know where the Son was when he was in the wilderness? That when Jesus is there for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and it seems like he's all alone and there's nothing there, does the Father know where Jesus is? Absolutely, right? Yeah. He, is the Father going to allow the Son to die in the wilderness? No. There's a cross on Calvary. That There's an appointment. The Father's going to get him there. But what happens in those wilderness experiences is the enemy comes in. The enemy comes in. Now, the Father knows, but the enemy comes in and says, God isn't good. He doesn't care. He's just left you here. He isn't able to save you. And the enemy begins to tell us in our life, you know, you shouldn't have to suffer. You shouldn't have to be so hungry. You, you, you shouldn't have to go through this. You shouldn't have to feel this rejection, this pain. You shouldn't have to do this. But Jesus knew that he wasn't alone in the wilderness. So when he's hungry and, and, and the devil tells him, hey, turn that stone into bread, Jesus says, I don't have to do that. The Father knows I'm here. He'll provide for me. And so when you're tempted to the devil, just say, God knows right where I'm at. Listen to me. God knows right where you're at. He knows exactly what you need. You don't have to be afraid. You can praise and worship and hope in the middle of the wilderness because he knows where you are. Jesus wasn't alone. We're not alone. God knows right where you are and exactly what you need. So back to our original question. Does God need a reminder? He didn't need a reminder about Jesus, did he? He knew Jesus, but can we go to the Old Testament passage just one more time that we read from Genesis chapter 9? It's the story of, of Noah. Remember Noah, the flood? We all know the story. I mean, humanity had gotten so wicked that the only living humans that were saved were Noah and his family. And at the end of the flood, God makes a covenant with Noah. He actually makes a covenant with all living things, a promise that he would never destroy the world again by water. There'd be a, never be another flood. And then there's this rainbow in the sky. Remember the rainbow? And we ask ourselves, why is the rainbow there? And look at verses nine, or Genesis chapter 9, verses 14 through 16. I know we read them earlier, but look at them again. He says, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Now look at that passage of scripture for just a second there. Is the rainbow for us? Like when we see the rainbow, oh yes, we remember that we have a covenant with God. He'll never destroy us again. You know what that rainbow's there for? It's there to remind God. God put it in the sky as a reminder to himself, I will never destroy the people again. I will remember, I, I will remember my promise and my covenant. God will remind himself, even if he doesn't need it, he will remind himself. It's a good thing that we can trust God's memory. It's a good thing that he remembers well. His memory is so much clearer, more precise. We can trust it in every way. And what we learn from the story of Noah throughout all of Scripture is this, that God's compassion and mercy and love always outweighs his judgment, wrath, and condemnation. 
that even when there's judgment, he's like, I, I don't want to do that ever again. I just, I love you. The mercy, the, the, the comfort, the love of God. Let's just do something real quick. Just put your Bibles aside, your notes aside, just for a second. Just, I want you to sit there. I, just, I want you just to relax just for a moment. I, I want to speak some things into your life. So just put it aside. Just relax for a moment. Okay? And, and go ahead and just close your eyes. Just, just be completely relaxed. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath if you want to. Let me speak into your life. No matter what you're going through today, Jesus is with you. He loves you. He remembers all of his promises. And if he needs a reminder, he'll remind himself. Because he is good and he is faithful. I want you to sit there, relax for a moment, just sit there in God's love, sit there in his presence. And this is what I want you to do whenever you find yourself in the wilderness and you're struggling and you don't know what to do and, and you're scared. Just remind yourself that God is remembering you. Just remind yourself that God is remembering you. That he is with you. He knows right where you're at. He knows right what you need. He loves you. And he will be faithful to all of his promises. Okay, you can open your eyes. That's what we need to do when we're in the wilderness. We need to put everything aside and just say, God, you know right where I sit. You know right where I stand. You know, you know my coming and my going. You know everything and you know exactly what I need. And you haven't left me and you haven't forsaken me. And you love me. And your promises are true. We've got to hold on to that. We've got to know that. And we've got to be like, like David saying, remember me. Don't remember my sin, but remember me. And so let me just give you the, the New Testament reading quickly here before we close. In the New Testament reading in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He suffered for our sins once and for all. He doesn't remember your sins anymore. You don't have to worry about that. When you say, God, remember me, don't remember my sins, he's going to say, what sins? He remembers you. He doesn't remember your sin. And the beautiful thing about this is that that passage says he remembers our sin no more. It tells us that Jesus is resurrected and he's seated on high at the right hand of the Father. That whatever you need, he's got for you. So listen to me today. No matter what wilderness you may be going through, and there are a lot of different wildernesses in life, right? If you're in the wilderness right now, I want to tell you this. If you're in the wilderness, there is a rescue and a resurrection coming. There is a rescue and a resurrection coming. There always is, in every wilderness, no matter what you face. The problem is, is when we're in the wilderness, especially when it starts lasting a long time, we put our eyes on the wilderness, right? And we look around, and we see it barren, and we see it dry, and we see no way out, and we lose our sense of direction and hope. But when you only look at the wilderness, this life will not make sense. It will not make sense. It will be difficult to understand. And that's why we have to put our hope in Jesus in the middle of the wilderness, believing that God is with us, that he is remembering us and remembering his promise. And let me tell you this, that the wilderness never lasts forever. It's a season. 
It's a season of preparation. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but it's always a season. A season of preparation for greater things. And let me tell you this, even if your wilderness lasts your whole life, eternity is a lot longer. These light and momentary troubles, whatever we're walking through, guess what? They're producing a greater glory. The wilderness never lasts forever. It's just a season of preparation for greater things. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning?